0: Hello everyone, you're listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life. I'm Janine Strong, and today I think you're going to find my guest, Daryl Sims, to be very interesting. Daryl is the world's leading expert on alien abductions, he's known as the Alien Hunter. His field research of more than 38 years has focused on physical evidence and has led to groundbreaking discoveries of alien implants and alien fluorescence. He is a former military police officer and CIA operative. Daryl has a unique insight into the alien organization, which he believes functions similarly to an intelligence agency. He's also a compassionate and skilled therapist, and he's helped hundreds of alien experiencers all over the world come to terms with what they've witnessed. Hi, Daryl. Thank you for coming on the podcast.
1: Hello, Janine. It's great to be here.
0: Yes, I think the listeners are going to find this very interesting because I do believe my listeners have quite a wide variety of interests in um How shall I say, maybe non-traditional topics? (laughs) Why don't you start with your background and how you became interested in this? How you, how did you become an alien hunter?
1: Well, uh, first of all, I uh, the best way to describe it is uh, I was born in 1948, and by 1952, I was around going on four and four and a half, about four and a half years old. Mm-hmm. and uh, some strange little creature was in my room one night. I, I opened my eyes, and I wasn't dreaming or anything. I sat up in bed, and I was like, what is he doing in here? I like couldn't figure this out. Hmm. So uh, he was skinny, spindly, with a large head. He was a little bit taller than I was. And the strange thing about him is he was walking toward the wall, and I thought, he's going to bump into the wall. I didn't know he walked through it, and that's how (laughs) he just brought me back. I had no idea what was going on. I mean, four and a half years old, I don't know much of anything. Really? Were you frightened? I was not frightened at all. I sat up in bed. I I was concerned for him. It's freezing cold. It's wintertime. I got this blanket wrapped around me by quilt, Mm -hmm. and I can't figure this out. And And then he turned around, and I realized he hasn't got any clothes on. (laughs) <laughs> now adults probably don't think about things like that when aliens are in the house but little kids notice things like that I looked from his large black eyes which were perfectly round uh, not like the uh, TV version of the alien that you see today
2: mm-hmm.
1: And he, but he had a strange little head like that, large bulbous head large black eyes, no nose basically two little holes for a nose and tiny little slit for a mouth no ears And then I kept looking down lower and finally realized he doesn't have a TT. (laughs) Now, adults probably wouldn't notice or give a hoot about that. But little kids, they wonder what's wrong with you. We know, If I've got one, my sister's got something. Where's yours? Mm -hmm. And I I looked up higher and I saw he didn't have a belly button. Now, all of that is to me important now Mm -hmm. because. As the alien hunter, I began to look at that story as well from my age then and and what I know now. And I know that if you don't have genitalia, you don't reproduce. Right. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a belly button or a navel, you you weren't born. You got here some other way. You were hatched, cloned, made, or manufactured. But you didn't get here the way we do.
0: Right. That's what I was thinking, because I've read, I've heard uh, different people talk about the grays, quote unquote, and how some of them are biological, and there are those that are uh, synthetic.
1: Well, we have uh, done quite a bit of study about that sort of thing. And and, uh, and I can address that in, in more detail in the morphology and of, of these beings, if, if you want. Great. Yeah, but, finish uh, this and then, yeah. But the, the, the bottom line with this guy in my room was uh, when he I looked at him and I thought, who is that and what is he or well, this in my head, in my thinking, apparently he heard me thinking because he turned around and said, and this is voice, skull to skull communication, <laughs> mm-hmm. which blew me away because I'd never experienced anything like that before in my life. And he said, it's awake. And there's only two people in the room. He's not talking about himself. Right. So I realized uh, that's weird. How, how do you do that? And uh, long story short was at that point, he uh, it, I was fine sitting up in bed, not even worried about it or anything. I just I was worried for him because it was so cold how he could be wandering around outside with no clothes on.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So there was something very strange happened at that point. He moved toward me in a, in a confrontational manner. And, uh, and I saw his eyes move just a tiny bit. Uh, and uh, because there's a little bit of light from our well house outside the house in a, by there's a a light on the well house that shined in my room. So it was pretty easy for me to see him. And immediately I became paralyzed and immediately a tremendous fear came over me. Mm -hmm. Now at age four, most people don't have any big fears, uh, you know, stuck in their brain. Right. Uh, and this was a fear I'd never known before ever. And, and, The best way to describe it for your audience, since again, I'm an investigator, now I can talk more clearly about it. I I think because they live in a society that's vastly different than anything we know or understand, he was transferring his fear to me. Oh, and that paralyzed me. Uh And that was a method of control that he was using. Then, uh, as he moved toward me closer, I fell back on the bed to get away from him. I just didn't know what he was going to do. And uh, I pushed so hard against my little tiny bed like a cot, a
2: mm-hmm.
1: little army cot, because we were quite poor. Mm-hmm. And uh, I pushed so hard against the wall, it, it pushed the cot away from the wall. So it's kind of a V there. And I fell down between the V with my little legs hanging up on top of the bed. <laughs> now I'm on bounced off the floor. So I mean, if I was asleep, I certainly'd wake up now. But uh, and then the worst nightmare that could ever happen to a child happened. Uh He lifted up the covers underneath my bed and stuck his large bulbous head right next to my face. Oh,
0: oh my goodness! I'm visualizing this. It's crazy. I'm telling
1: you, I completely lost it. Mm. And he changed uh, through, in my opinion, a suggestion. He changed his image of himself. He didn't Mm shapeshift. He changed my visual representation of him into that of a clown.
0: Oh, interesting. I was
1: supposed now to believe I had a scary dream of a clown. And I kept shaking my head back and forth. No, 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 no. Because I wanted to remember him for what he was, not the clown that he wanted me to think he was. Many abductees have clown phobias and have no idea where they came from,
0: oh really, wow, yes, uh-huh, so that's not that unusual, not at all hmm but you i I find it interesting that you were uh how to say it, had the wherewithal or whatever to 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 really try to force yourself to remember what he it really looked like
1: well that 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 uh, that would be uh, one way to to look at it, but after reviewing all of my events for 13 years, I had about 10 events over 13 years mm, from age okay. 4 to 17, mm. and after looking at the whole picture, I've come to a, a little different uh, analysis, if you would, okay. uh, simply because I uh, have it on pretty good authority from other people who have made some interesting uh, observations themselves in in their own abductions and my, my abduction. Mm -hmm. And uh, it seems that uh, I was not the model abductee. (laughs) uh, And uh, as a result, they, that they had some real problems with me uh, from, from then to the last event, which ended quite violently at age 17. Oh,
0: I'm surprised they kept at it if you weren't the model of abductee.
1: <laughs> well, you have to understand their um, society or structure as it, as it is, so to speak.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, once they're given orders to do something, the, you don't come back without the answer or without the result. Oh, uh, okay. this the, the punishments are quite severe,
0: mm. for
1: failure, and mm-hmm. uh, they've got a million more just like you. They don't need you at all so you can be replaced easily.
0: Got it. Interesting. And it, you said it. this ended at 17? You were 17?
1: Yes, I was uh, age 17, and uh, uh, I, I just acquired my black belt in the martial arts and uh, was very excited and happy. And, and the funny thing about abduction, especially back in the early 50s, the 60s, a lot of people uh, did what the alien told them to do. When he put that large black eye next to me, he said, you won't remember. You mm-hmm. will not remember. You won't tell your parents. You're not going to tell anybody anything. My mother just passed away at 93 years old, and she just found out that I was an abductee at 93.
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: So the suggestions that they give you, they're kind of like the best way to describe them for your audience, I think it's just, they're, they're kind of like a Bluetooth operation and they just downloaded you with an app. And that particular app is that you won't remember. You'll destroy, hide, or get rid of any evidence of them or your, your contact with them for as long as you live. And, uh, many abductees do that.
0: Hmm. Now, why do you think they abducted you? What, what you said that you had 10 experiences?
1: Yes. The, um uh, The experiences went from that, which was fairly benign, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. uh, to something far worse. Uh, When I was, uh, uh, the the next morning when I woke up, I was uh, very upset. My parents noticed I was upset and they didn't know what to do with me. Mm -hmm. And they kept thinking, well, you had a bad dream. That's exactly what I did. Not want to hear because it wasn't a dream, right? And so I just, they, I was so upset. They did something they'd never done before. They put me between them that night in the bed when they went to sleep. That the next night, they put me between them so I wouldn't have any more bad dreams.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And as I, and my mom kept telling me, "Well, I don't remember all that." And I said, "Well, Mom, <laughs> I do." She <laughs> said, "What do you mean?" I said, "Here's how you sleep." And I showed her how she put her puts her left arm up over her face and so on. And I said, and dad uh, sleeps on his right side uh, with his back towards you. And she said, now, how do you know that? That's because <laughs> I'm sleeping between you. I can see you both. I'm not going to sleep. I said, the next thing I noticed is two of these gray aliens standing at the end of my uh, their bed.
0: Oh, so two this time.
1: And I'm hitting daddy so hard with my little elbow in the back on his spine, I hurt my little elbow on his spine and I can't make him wake up. You won't wake up. Nobody wakes up. And there's two of them looking identical to each other. But one of them is my captor and the other one is someone that came with him. Mm. And uh, I don't know what they did to me, that particular thing, except the next morning as I'm walking around, I noticed this huge scoop mark area, missing skin. Out of my shin, and uh, we've done a lot of work on scoop marks. And basically, what these are, if they're alien-related, these are like a, a biological sample scoop taken out of the a person, like for cancer or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the scoop is gone, and there is a pretty good size. It's five eighths of an inch big. It's pretty large. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. And so on a little skinny little boy's leg, a five eighths scoop like that would look like a crater on the moon mm-hmm. to the kid. And as I touched it, something very strange happened. And I can't, cause I kids, little kids do this. They, they want to pick at something like if there's a scab, they'll pick at it mm-hmm. and there's no scab. It's smooth. It's, it's super smooth. And I'm like, well, where's the scab? And just as I put my finger in it and touched it and asked that question, I heard this like a program go off in my head says, you fell and hurt yourself. <laughs> well, that is just not true.
0: <laughs> oh, wow.
1: That is just not true. And so what we, we found is that the scoop marks are a result of uh, of an intense bright, uh, after the scoop is taken, they, a, a very bright ultraviolet light is introduced and it categorizes the wound immediately.
0: I was wondering. Okay, that's how they do it. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I would assume that most people, uh, when they hear that, that it was a fall or whatever the program is, they believe it.
1: That, that would make sense. The only thing is, I I know I'm pretty in tune with my body. I know whether I fell or not. Sure. Yeah. And, if I, and something that big, my parents would take me to a doctor, mm-hmm. five-eighths of an inch hole in my little tiny leg. Mm-hmm. That, that that would what the question was. Why was it? Why was it carterized? How did that happen, and you didn't even know it?
0: Wow! And is that still on your leg? I mean, it you, is for yeah. fact.
1: When mm-hmm. we I go to a UFO conferences, mm-hmm. I'll often pull my pants leg up, and and I have an inordinate sense of humor, and I'll tell everybody. My wife said I should not do this, and I said, "Why not?" And she said, "Because the last time I saw a leg like yours, it was flying north on a bird." <laughs> <laughs> so i just tell the joke and they laugh and i said this is what i want to show you is the scoop mark and it's quite deep and some people just come up want to put their finger on it and see it and then they'll start telling their story uh-huh. At that point, they realize they've got them as well
0: interesting and are they usually on the leg or are they different parts of the body
1: they can be on the leg back of the leg usually front of the leg sometimes side of the leg or even on the forearm okay i've got one abductee it's got seven of these right down his uh right down the side of his leg
0: seven wow now what's your hypothesis as to are they collecting dna or any well
1: that's that's where the i think they operate like an intelligence community comes in okay they they lie and they lie consistently Mm. they rarely tell the truth only time they tell the truth is when it suits them and whenever it's part of their program and you buy into it. Mm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hmm, sounds like the CIA, from what I've heard. <laughs> no?
1: <laughs> well, when I went into the uh, military, I volunteered during the Vietnam War uh, for the war effort. And uh, my uh, after I went in, they sheet dipped me, the Central Intelligence Agency. Sheep, dip, sheep dipped me and about about 30 people. What does or, that mean uh,
0: before you go on? Sheep
1: dipping is when it's it's kind of like what it kind of states is they dip into the sheep and take out what they want.
0: Oh, okay. Got it.
1: Mm-hmm. So th- we got placed into the Central Intelligence Agency, and I was there for two years in covert operations. And while involving myself, in, I was a weapons instructor and a martial arts instructor while there. Providing top secret security for this top secret spy agency installation. And mm. I was also learning th- things about the trade craft uh, whenever when, whenever possible. And the thing that amazed me with the trade craft that I was learning was no different than what the aliens were doing. Well, I mean, we lied about everything in the CIA. I mean, name one thing we didn't lie about. I mean, uh, Uh, Let's take a good example. Roswell, 1947. Okay. Okay. The military finds a crashed uh, disc. What do they do? They put a big ad in the papers and put it all over the news, all over the world. We found a flying disc. The intelligence boys found out about it late and they called them and said, no, you didn't. You found a weather balloon. Right. Didn't you? And that story was instantly changed. Mm-hmm. But we've got 230 some witnesses to the fact that it wasn't a weather balloon; it was, in fact, a UFO. Some of those witnesses, I have, I have several people that no one's ever talked to ever. And I have one of them on uh, a secondhand one that was present with the witness who was there when the Roswell event happened. I've got that on tape. Mm-hmm. So I've never told anybody about it and what the conversation was. My point is I'm not a Roswell investigator. I don't claim to be. I don't, it's not my claim to fame. I don't care. It doesn't mean that I don't know anything. I mean, I've been a private investigator for over 40 years, and I've been a senior military police officer for three years and been in the CIA for for uh, two years in the Cobra operations end of it. So I bring a lot of investigative skills to this phenomenon because I kind of want to know what's going on.
0: Yeah, I I think a lot of us would like to know what's going on. And you certainly seem to have the background and skills to uh, be, uh, what do I want to say, adept at it.
1: Well, uh, one of the things I've found that was probably not really good uh, right off the bat was um, people basically, and I'm, I'm including myself in this big picture here, um, people tend to um, uh, generalize, delete, and distort information, and they, they tend to not get things right, and especially in the UFO field. Mm-hmm. And uh, there, there are actually some good reasons for that. Uh, But the bottom line is, uh, I've I've found that in dealing with the UFO phenomena, uh, you can't use your regular thinking hat, so to speak, for that phenomena. Because if you do, you're going to, in effect, uh, be uh, shortchanged. In other words, I call it the uh, UFO hat.
0: Okay. Uh,
1: People, um, people, as an example, um, the UFO people, or anybody in the—I don't care if you've never seen a UFO. Then all of a sudden, when you do see one, mm-hmm. you kind of go wild, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, what is this?" You know, you're just going crazy. You know, like, "Well, wow, wow," and that's okay, except for the fact that it it puts you in a in a serious. Uh, a drawback because I, I call it the UFO hat because what you have at that point is, uh, it, it's, it's a, it's, it's a, almost a jaded view of what's going on with the, with the phenomena and, uh, and you're kind of a victim to it. So, uh, for me, uh, I just wanted to, uh, I wanted to have something better than that. Okay. For instance, I use seven different hats for studying this Mm phenomenon. There is a reason for it. I call the first one the UFO hat because it often gets fooled. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if you're in the UFO world, there are liars out there. People have made stuff up and they have told some, some of them have been, in my opinion, also uh, farmed out by the intelligence community to keep us uh, off track.
0: So kind of disinformation. Sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. A UFO hat, will they believe almost anything. I mean, <laughs> if, if it happens, it's true. I saw it in my own eyes. Don't tell me what I to do. Mm. So that's that's a fun hat to wear, but it's a hat that doesn't always get you the information you really need. The second one is a cop hat. Okay. That one's a lot more coherent. It's the one that uh, kind of it intimidates and scares my UFO hat people. Because whenever you tell me, I saw a bright, bright light, and all that, and then uh, I start questioning you with the, uh, with that particular type cop logic, uh, they don't like it. They don't, I'd be, you, You're acting like you don't believe me. I don't. I don't want to. I don't care. I, all I care about is the facts. I don't care about what you think. Right. I care about what I can prove,
2: mm-hmm.
1: what is real. And the third hat is the medical hat. It uses a different type of logic. It uses the Bayesian logic, and it's not science in itself, but it's like if we remove an alien implant, as an example, or do something medical with someone, that's the hat that's going to come into play. And uh, But it's a different hat, too. Mm-hmm. And then we have a science hat. In other words, if we retrieve like some of these rare metals uh, from a UFO, as an example, and I have three of them, mm-hmm. uh, the science hat's going to come into play there because... It's uh, it, it's it's based on data. I mean that, that's the bottom line. It, 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 data is everything to the science end of it. Right. That's mm-hmm. that's just it. Mm-hmm. Then the fifth hat is the intelligence hat. Now this is one of the most interesting ones, and all, all and also the most probably the most troubling. Hmm. The the plus point about it is that it wants to know everything and what's really going on beyond the cover story, because it knows what you, what really happened. You probably don't even know
2: Mm -hmm.
1: they know. Mm -hmm. They already know that. Okay. And it does. And they don't want you to know what it is anyway. (laughs) And, uh, and I give an illustration, uh, like if you, if, if you are a UFO investigator and, and you want to figure something out and everything, and you, you've done the best you can, you probably would go to a good cop, and tell him the story and let him use his hat so to speak to to help you out.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, but and then uh, and let's say it's a detective and the detective's pretty sharp he can be pretty good but when he can't figure something out he goes to someone else above him and that's called a profiler.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's mm-hmm. what an intelligence hat's like. Okay. The profiler is not like the detective the profiler, when he starts, uh, like, for instance, the detective has got a serial killer mm-hmm. or or a serial uh, event like UFOs is an example. That profiler, when he finishes looking at all the evidence and all the data, he can tell you a lot about the psychological makeup of that person, what they do. Their calling cards, they'll leave if they have any. And he'll tell you things that that detective will never be able to figure out. Mm-hmm. That's how they'll catch him with with the profiler. And the last two hats are a Native American uh, hat, which involves historical use of shamanism or mixes uh, some of the belief with some of the other things so they can get more dated that way. And the last hat is a spiritual hat, which can include and is usually beyond religion that's hosted or uh, thought Mm -hmm. up or made by mankind. Mm -hmm. And it's more than psychic or intuition. So those seven hats are really, really important to me because none of those hats don't always agree with each other, and I don't care about that. What I do care about is that they work, and they give me tremendous direction. And let me give you an example. In the UFO world now, science is the key. Well, it's not. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, it is. You know, we're studying the skin marker wrench. We're doing this. We're doing that. And you're getting your hat handed to you almost daily. You don't have a clue. Well, we got all kinds of equipment, and you got radiated, and you got what else happened to some of those folks up there? When you you mess with some of this stuff, and you don't know what you're doing, your science is not going to help you. Reminds me of <laughs> Luke Skywalker when he goes off to. Look in the cave, and he says, Your weapons, you will not need them. It's not going to help. It's not a science problem. It's not a medical problem. It's not a UFO problem. It's not a cop problem. It's an intelligence problem if it's going to be anything.
0: Oh, interesting. How can you explain that a little bit more?
1: No. Yep. Yes, I can. I <laughs> <like laughs> said I have an inordinate sense of humor. <laughs> we, need, okay. we need we okay. need lots of
0: humor these days.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, intelligence operation. Um, what I I was on a, a national radio program one night, and the, the man is now deceased. It was Art dog program.
0: Oh yes, I remember. He was mm-hmm.
1: he was freaking out completely when I told him what happened to me as a child. He said, I'd be so scared. I'd be this. I said, Art, if I can figure out how to defend myself at age four, you <laughs> ought to be able to figure out how to do it at age 40. I said, you're going to have to grow up here. you got to get rid of the UFO hat. you got to get some other hat. And uh, you, living in fear or living in awe of them is two of the stupidest things you can do. Mm-hmm. And, and let me explain that. If you're in awe, you're going to buy into everything they say. If you're in fear... You're going to, they're here to eat us and boil us and do horrible things to us. Neither one of those may be a completely true picture. Right. The point is that it's an intelligence operation. So what do you, if you walked up the front door of the CIA or the the front gate at, at Langley and you said, I want to know all about alien abductions, they're going to tell you to turn your car around and <laughs> it immediately because they don't know what you're talking about. They don't have a clue. The people who do know are never going to talk to you, and they're certainly never going to answer that that question. They're going to tell you at best, it's a weather balloon.
0: Mm-hmm. Although we do have soft, disc- I guess they're calling it soft disclosure these days. <laughs> oh, yes.
1: Uh, we'll <laughs> no. talk about that if you like. Sure. We'll talk about intelligence operations. This, this is a good one. Uh, I was uh, on a program with uh, uh, someone you would know immediately, an intelligence guy, and he was sitting there talking to me, and uh, they, the, the interviewer asked us both the question. Now that this stuff is starting to come out about this and that and everything, what do you think? And they asked him first, and mm-hmm. he said, well, it's a uh, disclosure's finally beginning and all that. And I looked at him, and I said, I told you not to do that. said <laughs> we had a discussion about what level of the intelligence community you had actually come from before, now you're gonna make me prove it in front of God and everybody else up here. Hmm. I said you're you were so low on the totem pole that your job officially didn't even exist. You're what is called a shield. You're a front for the organization of what's going on somewhere else.
0: Oh goodness.
1: Well, he was horrified, but he still plays that card anyway, like he's a big intelligence guy. And I said, you don't understand. I said, people like you are spoon-fed and given only the stuff that you're to, to blather mm-hmm. out there because that, that's what people need to hear. And uh, so the lady looked at me and said, Mr. Sands, what do you think is going on? And I said, well, recently I said this <clears throat> two- or three-star officer in the Navy, dug and dug and dug as fast, as hard as he could. He didn't believe in the UFO phenomenon, but he finally kept pressuring in the, he's in the Department of Defense Intelligence Agency, second in charge, if I'm not mistaken. He finally got an audience with a corporation that knew about the UFO business. And he, they, they told him, uh, what do you want to know? And he said, well, I can't believe it took me weeks to get in here to see you. You know, do you know who I am? They said, yes. Do you realize I can do this and I can do that? And he, they said, you're not going to do anything. <laughs> what you're going to do is get a couple of your questions answered. Then you're going to go back. And if you're smart, keep your big mouth shut or you're going to lose one of those stars. and You're going to be retired early and lose your pension. The hmm. corporation is telling a field grade, a, a, a general officer this. A corporation is telling a general officer this, who's in the department of in, in, in DIA. And he's like, I'll go tell my boss. You know, he went back and told his boss everything he had found out so far, and his boss looked at him and said the following. I want you to keep your mouth shut about the UFO phenomena. I don't want to hear that word mentioned again. I don't want you doing anything further. And this conversation is over as of right now. Do you understand me? Wow. It's, it's, it is an intelligence problem. Believe me.
0: Well, I mean, my, that's kind of my understanding is that, uh, The presidents don't know. I mean, a lot of top officials don't really know what's going on, that this is kind of a a covert, we'd call it black ops kind of.
1: Yeah, it's uh, about the only president that actually had a a decent clue about anything was uh, General Eisenhower. Mm -hmm. And uh, he had heard rumors about this place called uh, Groom Lake. And he wanted to know all about it, and they told him basically to bug off. And he told them that he would send the uh, uh, contingent of the U.S. military located in the area to come down there and find out if they didn't want to talk to him. And they got righteous real quick and decided that would not be a good idea. Uh And so they briefed him, and he... He was one of the last people that ever said the, these words, which should be engraved in stone somewhere, to beware of the military-industrial complex.
0: Yes. I remember that. He said that.
1: that for a reason.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He said it for a reason, and that was after I think his Groom Lake experience, Area 51, is what it was later referred to as. Mm-hmm. My point is that most, most, people, most people in the Elected officials come and go, right? These people who make these ultimate decisions are non-elected officials. Mm -hmm. And they don't have to tell you anything and they're not going to. And as I told this this intelligence guy was in this conference with me, I said, my friend, they've been waiting for a congressional investigation for 50 years. You guys are a little late. You call this disclosure? I said they've got an answer for a congressional committee that's fifty years old, and it's so good it's a cover story. A cover story, remember, is a lie.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It is so good that fifty-year-old one's going to work right now. We don't need anything good. That'll work just fine. And uh, anyway recently.
0: Daryl, why do we have to have all these cover stories and stuff? Why can't, why can't we just be honest about this?
1: Okay. Well, there, there, there's a a positive and a negative reason. Okay. The negative reason, let's do positive first. positive Mm -hmm. reason is how many, how many secrets would you like for the Chinese and the Russians to know about your nuclear arsenal and your spying? Okay. None. Mm Mm-hmm. And it, you have to have a spy system, you, you do. For re, there are reasons for that. The question is, and the problem is, has the intelligence community gotten so big with 17 of them out there, just in our area alone?
0: Oh, I didn't realize there were that many.
1: Oh, there's 17. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and 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 they often overlap and they often hide things from each other and so on. <laughs> they do. Now, I'll tell you a story about that if you want to hear it. Sure. When, but the bottom line is that uh, they uh, they have their own cover stories. Most of them don't know about the depth of the UFO phenomena. They don't. And the Office of Naval Investigations is one of them that does. Parts of the CIA does. Does the CIA know everything? No, they don't. Does the CIA know all about UFO? No. Only certain people know a lot. Mm-hmm. Only certain areas, these are called special access programs, and only certain people are invited there. Mm. And I have a top figure clearance, and I'm not going to be invited there.
0: Huh, okay.
1: So forget that. It's not based on your clearance only. Uh, There are people that come to these special access programs that are non-American, non-bedded in the sense of the word that we would in the military, anyone. And they come to these meetings, and they're already on the books, and they can ask any question they want, and you have to answer it.
0: What makes them so special?
1: Nobody knows. Hmm. You're not allowed to ask. Jeez. <laughs> oh, None of this. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. Just do your presentation, and everything will be fine. Now, funny little story. I had a uh, I got into a. He had a discussion with a uh, ex-special agent from the FBI, a, uh, two of them, actually. They came to my abductee's home, and my abductee called me and he said, I don't know how to deal with these guys. And I said, put them on the phone. So I talked to the guys, who are you? And he said, I'm special agent, so-and-so, special ex-special agent, whatever. And I said, well, who do you work for? And he said, Bob Biglow." And I said, I that thought so. I said, what are you doing at my abductee's home without my permission? And hmm. well, I'm especially as I said, you didn't understand. All my exes live in Texas. <laughs> and ex doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> nothing. You mean nothing to me. I'm ex You know what that means? Nothing. nothing. <laughs> I don't, nothing. I said, uh, I said, let me tell you how what I really think you guys, years ago, the CIA and the FBI privately decided they should have a liaison between the two, somebody who's both, not one or the other. And the CIA, our people said, fine, pick out your best guy and send him over and we'll brief him, do whatever is needed. You pick him out out of your own people, show you how level-headed we are. Isn't that fair? That, and that mm-hmm. is really cool. Mm-hmm. Let me show you how the CIA operates. They picked their guy, they sent him over to the CIA, and everybody laughed. That was our guy, anyway. <laughs> we sent that, that monkey that came to us was ours from day one. <laughs> he was a plant in the FBI.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. So, Daryl, how how is was this person your abductee?
1: What? <clears throat> well, he would contacted me. Many of them do uh, from conferences I go to, or it, whatever been, shows like this is a good example. Mm-hmm. I'll get I'll get numerous inquiries from people who simply don't know how to explain or their experience and never talk to anybody about it. Okay. And since I'm very confidential, they will. Oh my gosh. This is great because now I can talk mm-hmm. and nobody's going to do anything weird. Got it. So he contacted me, and, and uh, he had uh, had an altercation with an alien and it uh, left some DNA on the floor. Mm. And of course, these two ex special agents were sent there by Bigelow to find the DNA. Okay. And I said, Well, did you find the DNA? And they said, No. You got it all. I said, I guess I I did a pretty good job.
0: (laughs) And then what did you do with the DNA? Or can't I ask?
1: (laughs) No, you're not allowed to ask. (laughs) (laughs) This is an intelligence operation. Don't ask any questions. (laughs) No, I I had the uh, DNA tested, of course. And uh, it it was quite remarkable. Things We haven't finished with that either, because uh. I pay for this out of my own pocket. Uh. So I'm not rich. And so I just do it, do the best I can with the resources that I have. So one of the things we found, one the, of the PhD who was uh, uh, Dr. Levingsgood, who was doing the study on it, called me on the phone and said, Mr. Sims, I think you have the proverbial smoking gun here. Mm. I said, why do you think that, sir? He said, uh, you're looking at the X-ray scans I sent you, and I said, yes, I am. He said, what do you see there? I said, I'm not qualified to tell anyone what that is. He said, just tell me what you think you're seeing. And I said, I think I'm seeing uh, a biological cell uh, with a plant growing out of it. Oh. He said, that is correct. (laughs) He said, I have studied cattle mutilations For 40 years. And we've got the biological evidence of the cattle, the animals, and so on. He said, but what you have here is the DNA from the animal source and from the alien as well, together. He said, I think you have the smoking gun.
0: So, would this be like a hybrid or... You said it's from an animal and from an alien?
1: Yes. I... Oh. The two dogs that the abductee had uh, attacked the aliens that were current, were present. Ah, okay. These are two giant Rottweilers.
0: Oh, okay. Bad the pick next, of, a, of ever, an abductee. All anybody
1: remembers, he wakes up in bed the next morning with his wife. And the two dogs were back in their cages locked up. And, and they, DNA, were,
0: they weren't the before? DNA the, night before? the
1: floor where the dog apparently bit the alien. Oh. Now, the interesting thing of the dogs, and I have the photographs and the history of them, the dogs within 30 days were dead. They literally starved to death. The oh veterinarian God. said they could not absorb protein anymore. He had no idea why. Of course, he didn't tell him they had bitten into an alien.
0: Oh my goodness! Wow.
1: So some people may tell you they taste like chicken. But <laughs> they're definitely not good to do, to swallow.
0: Wow. Huh. That's interesting, isn't it? Hmm. Now you've taken implants out of people, right?
1: I have conducted twenty-seven surgical. Interventions in which we have removed things referred to as often described as alien implants. Yes.
0: And how do you know? <clears throat> excuse me. How do you know they are? Where, where Where do you send them, or what do you do with them? When?
1: Well, they're uh, they're they're often found quite um, um, accidental. Okay. Most people do not know they have this sort of thing. Is that because they're they, deep
0: enough that they can't tell?
1: Yeah, they, there's no there's no ill effects or anything, so they don't know. Like the, a lady came to me after I was on a program in, on TV in Houston in 1995, and she said, Mr. Sims, I think I may have an alien implant. And I said, what makes you think that? And she says, well, uh, she showed me these x-rays and they, these three little metal like clips that are in her foot. And I said, well, I said, that's, uh, looks like a surgical clip from an osteotomy, a foot surgery. Mm-hmm. And she said, that's what I thought. That's what my doctor thought. And I said, well, how did he find him? He says, well, I had a splinter in my foot and it got infected. So he wanted to nate naturally do a million things and tests and everything it cost you a fortune. And then all of a sudden, um uh, he says well what's what he took the x-ray what are those metal clips doing in your uh, around your toe there and she said what metal clips (laughs) so we surgically removed those i flew two abductees from the houston area out to california and uh, we had a podiatrist and an md removed the hand implant and the foot implants And in those remarkable cases, uh, the 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 NID's uh, the National Institute for Discovery Science uh, contacted me, eighteen scientists, and they said we'd like to uh, for you to come to California, do uh, to Nevada to do a a review for us. And I said fine, and I did, and they were so impressed. They I was the only UFO person out of all of them that were there to get funding, uh, that they said, we, wow, we will pay for a $22,000 study to have those things looked at. Mm -hmm. The quarter-inch needle-like projections, there were three of them in her foot, turned out to be rare meteorites from the Widmanstätten, or from the Yautschung meteorite, rare meteorites. Now, what are rare meteorites doing inside a woman's foot Good question. Wrapped up in her own skin, like a biological scoop mark you might use later on to wrap an implant in. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because did... when the biologist looked at it, he said, "Well, mm. that's just uh, the the objects were the, 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 the in there. That's uh, obviously all that is is just uh, that's no more than than this uh." Uh, it's an inflammatory process. I said, just check it. And I, because I, I knew it wasn't, mm-hmm. check it to be sure. I want, I have to be sure. He checks it and he says, Oh my God, if that's a protonaceous coagulum, which is a $50 word for Four. saying there's a whole group of things in there, he said, That's a keratinous material. What would keratin be doing inside next to the bone? He said that's impossible. Keratin cannot exist. Keratin is your hair, yeah, your that's your skin, mm-hmm. and your fingernails. And he said keratin does not appear inside the body, so therefore it didn't happen. So <laughs> I got it on film, and I've got seventeen witnesses, two doctors, and he said I don't care if God was there. He said I just told you keratin cannot be inside the body. The keratin is also a scoop mark, isn't it? Uh
2: huh.
1: Later, a Nobel laureate came to us and said, Mr. Sims, if you can replicate that process of non-inflammatory cells that you have on the outside of that implant, if you can replicate that in a laboratory, you may have a Nobel laureate find, because organ donor rejection would be passe. Mm, mm -hmm. And I said, well, sir, Mm -hmm. I was born at night, and I was born in Texas. (laughs) But it wasn't last night. <laughs> what laboratory do you suppose I could send these to with great assurance that it would never be stolen, robbed, cheated, lied on, or anything else? He said not one.
0: I was going to say I th- that was going to be my answer.
1: I said, like I said, last, it wasn't last night when I was born. Wow.
0: Daryl, what do you, what are these implants for?
1: What are they for? Yeah. I've got to make a quick call here. She wants to know what they're for. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously. Uh, That's good. That's a million-dollar question, really. That's a great question because everybody with UFO hats on say the following. Uh Well, those are tracking devices. Those are uh, transponders. Uh Uh-huh. Take your UFO hat off and put a different one on, and you'll get a different answer. You'll get something closer to the answer. When we put the medical hat on and look at it, we realize they're put in there in a way that the body can't even find them.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. They're not. So they're they not can't reject form, it. They're, you they're can't not a foreign it.
1: body. They can't reject because it's it's the keratin is your own body.
0: Hmm.
1: So it's not rejecting it. So that none of that. So that that's pretty astounding stuff. So we can say that they're not transponders because they already know where you're at. Right. I mean, how did they find you to put the implant in to begin with? Mm-hmm. Because if you'll check yourself carefully, and when you fill out our forms, you'll find that many 45% of the people that are abductees are native American and Irish or Celtic.
0: Why is that?
1: It's an incredible, incredible find. These are statistics we came up with in the 1980s. Now, 45% of Native American in our shop. had a black lady out of uh, uh, Pennsylvania called me one time. She said, tell me about her amazing case. Um, amazing case. Now, everybody in her family, with the exception of the husband, are all abductees. Wow. And so I said, ma'am, if I may ask you, I, I need to kind of know for my record, what nationality are you? She said, well, Mr. sims we black. And I said, yes, ma'am, I can hear from the tone of your voice you probably are black but most of us are not pure anything are we (laughs) and she said oh we Cherokee Irish (laughs) oh goodness now how did I know that (laughs) absolutely amazing the boy she adopted the young man she adopted one of the prime people in this story she adopted him is Cherokee Irish wow isn't that amazing how that accidentally occurred? Yeah. So implants, uh, one of the things that we can say, we think, is that the uh, we can see from side effects of some of these things that some of these people, have, their doctors have asked about altered levels of neurotransmitters in these people, serotonin, dopamine, Potassium. Mm -hmm. And so I asked a pharmacologist about this. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. And he said, Mr. Sims, if anyone controls your neurotransmitters, anyone, your doctor, an alien, anyone, they decide whether you're happy, sad, glad, or suicidal. They choose. Mm -hmm. You don't. Interesting. Well, that's interesting because... A high percentage of people that are abductees is it's on our questionnaire. We never tell anybody who or what, nothing. Other than the stats are all we're interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ask the question, have you ever had suicidal or harmful thoughts about yourself that were not yours? And a 51% say yes.
0: Now, how do they know that they're not their thoughts? I would think that it would be hard to differentiate whether they're, you know, my thoughts or somebody else's or some, some thoughts from somewhere else.
1: A good example of this is, um, uh, you, you, for instance, you, uh, you might have an overwhelming urge to, to, uh, hurt yourself either or jump off a bridge, that sort of thing. Whereas, uh, that would—it's not normal for you—not a—not—not not a, in any sense of the word, appropriate for you to do that. I mean, it just. Got it.
0: Okay. You're in, in. other words, your life situation doesn't doesn't inform that at all.
1: Not at all. These <laughs> okay. people—these uh, are not people who are suicidal and had those thoughts. These are people who never had those thoughts. Got it. Uh, I went one time to the bridge of the called the Grand, uh, the Royal Gorge. And uh, we were, when I was a kid, went out there and I had this incredible interest, what it would be like just to jump off.
0: Now, what, what's the point?
1: I got away from the edge of the bridge because those were not my thoughts. Right. Not at all. Got it. If I ever, if somebody ever found me with uh, committing suicide, I assure you, I didn't do it. Somebody did it for me. And made it look like a suicide. But I would never, ever do that. Never.
0: Got it. Now, do they ever, I mean, are are people ever just happy for no reason? Are, are there any implants that for that? Or,
1: Yeah, we call it this alien Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> These are people who, anything the alien tells them, doesn't matter. One lady, uh, this is unbelievable. She's got a big chunk of flesh missing out of her body where the aliens took it and uh, left it horribly mangled. And I said, does that bother you in any sense word?" words? She said, oh, no, it was for my highest good, I'm sure. <laughs> I said, when somebody tears a piece of me off, no, that's not for my highest good. That's for somebody else's highest good, not for mine. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't buy that. So we call that the alien Stockholm syndrome because they love their captors. They go along with everything, whatever it is they want to do. That's a good idea. uh uh-huh. One lady told me, she said, Mr. Sam said, when when you found those broken ribs at the VA hospital, you see, I don't have broken ribs, but now I find in the VA hospital that I've got broken ribs on one side. How did I get broken ribs? How do you get broken ribs? not know that.
0: Good question. You don't.
1: You, don't. you yeah. can't breathe. You can't move fast. You can't do anything.
0: Christy, if you have a just have a rib out of place, you can't Thank
1: breathe. you. So I've got broken ribs, and doctors found that out, and uh, accidentally, and they're telling me about it. And of course, I know where it came from. It's my last violent event when I was seventeen years old. Ah. But uh, this this contactee she told me she said, Daryl, you're missing the whole point. The aliens care so much about you, they healed you. Don't you get it? <laughs> I said, Sweetie, you're missing a big part. And they said, "What's that?" And I said, "Who kicked my ribs in to begin with?" Right. right. That's what I was thinking. It
2: That's was not nice a that.
1: nice thing to do. That's something like Ms. Thirteen might want to do while you're out on the street taking your purse or your wallet.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. So what? What is the point, though? Of I mean, I, I sounds like an experiment to see if they can get people to do something that they normally wouldn't do? Or-
1: well, I'll tell your audience something that, uh, I normally don't tell because I, because I'm not a fear monger. I don't care about 11. Cause I think there's a lot, much larger picture involved here than most of us see in, in including the UFO community. And that mm-hmm. is that, um, uh, one lady was sexually molested in her event. <clears throat> and, uh, she cried, 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 told me about it. And, and a Catholic lady and just really fine, spiritual, decent lady. And uh, she put, why would the alien do that to me? And I said, um, because your family's all split up and you guys have all this alien thing, it's literally split your family apart. Hmm. I said, I'm going to tell you because I don't think I'll probably ever see you again. And I, I think you deserve an answer. She's, why would they do that to me? I said, young lady, the alien didn't enjoy it. He doesn't have any genitalia, he doesn't have a clue. He's collecting your passions, your fears, your emotions, your ecstasy for someone else to Mm -hmm. feed on later. I said, whatever you think you know about the alien, you're incorrect. Hmm. He's doing it for someone else far bigger than he is. He's made hatched and cloned, and manufactured for the purpose of making you think he's an alien from another planet. If you look at his DNA carefully in these events, You'll see that the DNA comes from planet Earth, not from Pluto or Zeta Reticuli or the Pleiades, mm-hmm. but the DNA probably come from here. I'll give an example if you like. Okay. When I was in third grade in Mayhill, New Mexico, I went out to, we were building a little house next to the church uh, which was the parsonage? We weren't finished with it yet, so we couldn't live in it. We lived in the basement of the church, and I went outside of the bathroom, which is a, a, an outdoor. We call it outdoor privy. It's an outdoor bathroom. It's what it is. It's a little <laughs> wood building. I mean, most people don't know. They see it on a on a western movie, and you think that's really weird. That's what we had. But well, we used that, to
0: call it an outhouse. That's right. That's a, my that's right. my grandparents up in uh, northern Michigan, up in the uh, up in the UP. The cabin was on this cute little lake where we used mm-hmm. to uh, like to stay in the summer, and we had an outhouse.
1: That's right. Yep. we had them in Oklahoma just as well, mm-hmm. and everybody did. But we also had bathroom upstairs in the church, mm. but it was upstairs and in the dark, and I did not. For some bizarre reason, want to go up there to use the restroom at, late at night. Okay. It's called programming. Mm. Go out to the outhouse. As
2: mm-hmm.
1: soon as I finished my business, I shut the door, and there's the alien standing there. The guy that picked me up when I was four is waiting for me again. Uh-huh. And I disappeared. And the next day, I mean, he brought me back, and uh, but. When I went back in home, of course, they were wondering, why were you out of the bathroom so long? You know, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I was, I was, I was uh, uh, impacted. That. I must have been it, you know. <laughs> Whatever. You know, you should make up any whopper because no one's going to believe you anyway. You just make up, the, make, just make up a, a lie because you don't want to answer what the truth is. Mm-hmm. Oh, an alien that used to get me, he got me again tonight. You know, you all want to. But the next day, it was Friday. The next day was Saturday, and I was out of school, and it was the summertime. And I was, you got to understand, I love animals. We've rescued more animals than most people ever see in their life. <laughs> I have Well, <too. laughs> I, mean, I just, just love animals. <laughs> me too, yeah. I love insects. Mm-hmm. I'm out there pulling the heads off grasshoppers by the hundreds. Oh, my goodness. I've got them all lined up. Now, this is not normal for me at all. Wow. And I finally picked one of the grasshoppers up alive and stuck his little head right up there next to my eye as close as I could. And I realized it wasn't a grasshopper. Oh, it's a praying mantis. Um. I'm killing the wrong insects. Praying mantis is the one that got me the night before mm-hmm. about seven and a half feet tall. Mm-hmm. But notice the DNA was a, Praying mantis. Hmm, whatever you get those. Zeta Reticuli or the Pleiades? How about planet Earth? hmm Where do you get a Nordic alien, the so-called human Nordic blonde-haired alien? Well, I'm going to take a wild guess here. Norway? hmm That might be a good answer. And so on and so on. I've talked to my Native American buddies. I'm a Cherokee, Irish, and Scottish myself. Uh-huh. Uh, so I asked my friend, I said, he's a Zuni medicine man. I said, so tell me about the alien. Where do they come from? They're the star people. I said, don't feed me that garbage. Stop treating me like I'm white. <laughs> he laughed and said, oh, oh, they're, they're the ant people. I said, thank you for telling me the truth. I said, you feed that other stuff to the white folks. They love it and they need it. and They like it. I said, "Where do the ants live?" And he said, "In that, the earth." That's that said, going that's to be exactly my question. Correct. Mm-hmm. They came from inside. Mm-hmm. So the DNA seems to come here, and then a the lady asked me one time. Says, "You need to send your some of the DNA stuff you got to the uh, uh, Dr. Melville Ketchum because so they're doing some DNA uh, study on the on the Bigfoot right now." And I said, "Well, yeah, that's pretty amazing stuff." So I called him up and told him who I was, and I said, I'm not a Bigfoot investigator, but doesn't mean I don't have any evidence. She said, well, what kind of evidence do you have? I said, well, I've got a thumbnail and a urine sample from an adolescent, I've got hair samples from back in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. She didn't believe a word I said, I'm sure that, of no, that. Nobody could have all that. So I said, okay. And uh, so they did their DNA study on the samples that they did have, and they found that, as my thesis is, that the DNA, DNA comes from here. Well, first of Bigfoot, it's, it's an ape-like creature. They got right. that right. It's a simian. Yes, that's true. But guess what the other part of the DNA was that they found in Bigfoot?
0: I'm very curious.
1: Uh, better fast your seatbelt.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Modern, not ancient. Modern. Human, female, mitochondrial DNA.
0: Well, I figured all of it except for the female part. <laughs> hmm.
1: So how do you get a human modern DNA mixed up with a Bigfoot? It's how do called, you? It's called transgenics. Somebody did it. Made, hatched, cloned, manufactured. For the purpose of making you believe whatever it is comes from somewhere else
0: so are you saying like in a lab okay,
1: okay. but not here not here where <laughs> well the questions just keep coming
0: I See, I'd probably be a good investigator. You man. would.
1: You, you, that's why you're grilling me, you're tearing me to pieces. Tearing, like, what what does the song say from uh, that uh, famous uh, singer many years ago? A uh, little piece of my heart.
0: Oh, yes. Tearing yes. it off. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So, uh, in my opinion, and it's an opinion, I can't prove it, it's a working thesis that I have. Okay that so far has been validated or at least underscored Mm -hmm. from our findings. We have uh, photographic evidence from NASA and ourselves as well of craft that are so huge that the best way to describe them is One of them is 50 miles thick and about 600 miles across.
0: Whoa. (laughs) And yes,
1: I have it on film. Wow. Near the moon, uh, eight of our people were taken in two states, in in several cities, in small craft to this massive craft. And that's, if I can use, that's, you don't need a planet if you're an alien because... First mm-hmm. of all, you don't, you're not from a planet, you don't need a planet because you can move this thing around anywhere you want. Okay, there are bigger ones than that, but that's
0: but where does it originally come from? Are you saying oh, it come,
1: oh. here now you're asking big questions? Again. <laughs> I, I always ask my uh contactee friends, they say, Well, the aliens that they're so smart, they're a million years ahead of us. I said, Well. I'm going to let you wear your UFO hat while I put on my science hat for a second. How do you know that? Mm. Well, they have to. No, that's a that's a, a UFO hat answer. They have to. They're smart. They're a million years ahead. You haven't answered one question. I said, how do? It, I said many of these aliens only have three fingers and without an opposing thumb how do you suppose you build anything without an opposing thumb?
0: Mm, Good question.
1: I said, I'll help you out here. I said, since you're still wearing your UFO hat and can't get rid of it for any reason, I said, I'll help you out. I said, he, they didn't build it.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Someone else did. The ones who cloned, hatched, made and manufactured them for the purpose of making you think they're from Zeta Reticuli, or Pleiades, or wherever. Now, that's not to say that there aren't real aliens out there somewhere in space. There may be. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the, I think the Rig Veda says there's 100,000 species out there. I don't know. I haven't met them all. Mm -hmm. I have met these particular ones I'm talking about and know them quite intimately. So I think I can speak to that. But as to the other 100,000 species that may be out there, I can't say that at all because I don't know that to be true. I haven't met any of those. If there are good ones out there ready to go and ready to help us and everything, I wish they'd get started because it's been a while.
0: Mm -hmm. We could use the help.
1: Sounds good to me.
0: Hmm. Now I wonder what my dad saw because he was a private pilot and he came home one day and said that he saw. A flying saucer of some sort. When he was flying,
1: I would not want to report that to the uh, tower. <laughs> I don't think he did. <clears throat> They'll your license for that one. <laughs> Actually, uh, one of our one of one of my I was at a conference contact in the desert, a big huge conference out in California, and uh, I was on a, a show there, and um, they said. Uh, Darrell, we're going to have to bump you to the next segment because we've got Dr. Lynn Katai here who saw the uh, Phoenix lights and she, we're going to, to put her on in front of you. And I said, no, that's okay. I don't, I don't, I won't take offense. And she's talking about the Phoenix light and how great it was and everything. And <clears throat> then finally the next segment, they put me on up there and Dr. Lynn sitting out there listening. And I know her very well. Nice lady. And I uh, said, well, I said, it's a shame I wasn't up here at the same time Dr. Lynn was because I was going to – I said there were two pilots flying two different aircraft near the Phoenix Lights, those massive lights that were up there. Mm-hmm. One of them was the actor, Kurt Russell. Uh huh. And I said, the lady sitting next to Lynn Katai is one of my abductees. She is the pilot who trained and certified – Kurt Russell. I mean, everybody went crazy at that point and said, oh, my God, we got to get Lynn. We got to go get see if we can get Kurt Russell to come up here. You forget that. It's not going to happen. That's what I've already asked. So the point is that there's good witnesses and all kinds of witnesses, but a lot of them are not going to come forward because they don't want to. They're intelligence people that call me from time to time they're abductees and they need help or want help and they don't know what to do.
2: Mm, I mean, mm.
1: one of them that was Native American out at the, when I went to the, did the Dulce conference in the, the Korea Apache Indian Reservation. And uh, uh, he was suicidal. Mm. And uh, he said, I just don't know what to do. And I said, the problem with having all those secrets, UFO and other related, is what do you do? You can't tell anybody, you just can't do that and you can't come forward. And, uh, uh, anyway, like, like this intelligence guy that was at the conference I told you about, he said, well, you know, I knew all of this stuff and I I said, listen to me carefully. I told everybody in the audience, look at me. Let me explain some things to you. My friend here doesn't have a clue about, does anybody understand what a top figure clearance is? there are three primary clearances and top secret is the highest level. Now there are many clearances inside the top secret clearance that go way up, much higher than mine. Mm -hmm. My point is that there is a thing called rendition. Rendition. Rendition Mm -hmm. is a, they made a movie about it one time with Robert Redford.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: The seriousness of what I'm fixing to tell you It's real. If I come up here and say, oh, I'm all connected to CIA and all that still, I'm I'm gonna tell all the big secrets. And I actually do, and actually get people exposed and things like that. They have a little place for me, it's called Rendition. It's a prison outside the United States. The United States owns it but doesn't run it. And I'll be there for the next 40 years. And no one will know where I'm at. Wow. I said, my friend here seems to think he can tell you anything he wants to about anything, and it's all okay. The reason he can do that is because he doesn't know anything to begin with. Mm. On the other hand, if I do that, I'll end up missing within the year. Got it. I said, so that might give you a sample of a guide. To some of these people are telling all the big secrets out there.
0: Mm-hmm. They're not. Mm-hmm.
1: They're telling the things they can tell. Right. And it's okay.
0: Right. Yeah, that well, with some people, that's what I've figured out already that they've that sure. Sure. uh they they are saying what they've been allowed to say and, and no more. Um Daryl, how can people contact you?
1: If well, you could, it's, they it's, need it's, to. <laughs> <laughs> that's what's really funny. I was going to make a joke, <laughs> like, like the A team, you can't find us. You know, you just have to, we'll find you. That sort of thing. Uh, they can reach me at thealienhunter.com. Okay. They can go there and click on the to. You can click it, on, click on it, and it'll actually uh, email me, okay. and I'll answer your questions. Uh, there's no charge for me doing that. Uh, there are a few products we have there, not many. We're not in the money-making business. All the surgeries and things we've done on these 27 people have been free of charge. We, we're a philanthropic organization. We don't okay. charge anything for what we do. Okay. I believe everybody should know as far as they can know, and that's what, uh, what we do. And uh, we're, we're about making sure that uh, we get out as much information as we can to the public on a level that is okay for everybody to know. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to give away a state secret to, uh, to do the right thing.
2: Mm-hmm. You
1: don't, you don't have to violate your oath to tell people you better be afraid and you better watch those people. They're screaming the very loudest in your government right now. They're the ones of the problem. Mm-hmm. If you think for an instant that your president, my president by making all the decisions, you need to get your head in.
0: <laughs> I don't think so.
1: <laughs> he's not doing it. No he's parroting what someone's telling him to do. Right. And I've I've rarely seen that happen in presidential Democrat or Republican, either one, it doesn't matter. I've rarely seen that happen, and I'm seeing it happen so much now. It's it's scary. It's it should trouble everyone. Hmm. Not being political here. Yeah. I'm just telling you. Watch out for your own self and your own family. And uh, please, go to the polls and vote. I'm not telling you how to vote. I'm telling you, go vote your conscience. Do it. But be informed.
0: Is there a way we can have fair elections without, uh, geez, I was watching a a little documentary just the other day and how the votes are counted in Europe, and and everything's on the internet, and it's really easy to get in there and change votes. And jeez, there
1: there are a lot of people that are going to be watching this one pretty carefully. The uh I'll give one political statement: it, uh, when the Hunter Biden uh, laptop came out, all the ninety nine percent of the news media said it's a it's Russia collusion. There right. there is no laptop. That's just obviously not true. Even. Even the mainstream media is saying, oh my God, he's got photographs of him doing all kinds of weird stuff. That's true. I'm not mm-hmm. picking on the man. I'm uh, He needs help. Right. But what I'm saying is that uh, he was compromised by the Chinese and uh, and I think that goes higher up as well. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Being in the intelligence community, it would that would be one of the first things I'd want to do is compromise the relatives of certain political officials sure. so that you could use that. I mm-hmm. mean, that's, what intelligence is all about.
2: Mm -hmm. If
1: anybody thinks the Chinese or or whoever did not do that we. I I listened to an amazing statement. The Chinese during the election, right in the middle of the election, they gave a speech and it was translated into English. So I was listening to it. And the Chinese official there right under the president himself of China
2: Mm
1: -hmm. said, don't worry about the elections. They said, well, what if Trump wins or what if this person wins? They said, Everything will be fine. We have it all under control. <laughs> they said that openly. There was, They weren't afraid about the election in any way, shape, form. They said it will come out exactly. There's not a problem. All our people are in, our, in position. And I can tell you, I'll give you a hint. Whoever, the Chinese, whoever, if you've got investments in Chinese money and your politicians, there's a reason for that. Right. In California, the uh, who is it? The leading person out there in the intelligence community. Mm-hmm. Her driver was a Chinese foreign national driver of her car for 19 years. Right. They just they prosecuted him as a spy. How much, How close do you want them to get?
0: Yeah, I know. I it seems to me like. Just about everything on this planet needs an overhaul. You bet. Wow. Well, Daryl, this has really been fascinating. I, I'm so glad you came on. Is there anything you would like to leave the listeners with? Or do you feel Yes, complete? I
1: would. If you if you had alien experiences and you would like uh, to be part of a support groups, they're very private. Uh, we have a support groups of wonderful, they're very private people, good people, fun people, different views, different views altogether. Some are contactees, some are abductees, it doesn't matter. It, it, nobody picks on anybody, <laughs> it's a very safe environment. Mm-hmm. And second, if uh, you wanna talk to me personally, you can just go to alienhunter.com, thealienhunter.com, and click on it and uh, you can read all kinds of fun stuff there. Or you can contact me, I'll be glad to answer your questions for you in private if you like. Great.
0: Thank you, Daryl. This really was an eye-opener. I'm sure we could go on and on and on. There's just so much to talk about and I have so many questions, but I think for today this is probably quite good. Wow, thank you. Thank you everyone for listening. Remember the podcast website is realjanine.com and Janine is J-A-N-E-A-N. Please consider subscribing through your favorite podcast provider and Please share this conversation with your family and friends. I'm sure they'll find it quite enlightening. And remember, you can find video slideshows of all my conversations on YouTube and BitChute. Please share this conversation with your family and friends. And as always, thank you so much for listening. If you made it this far, thank you. And take care. Until next time, be well.